It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. What's up, guys? Ryan Sprague here, and I'm just dropping in to remind you about our Patreon campaign. Somewhere in the Skies is always free to consume, but it's not free to create. So if you want to help the show on a monthly basis... We have tons of rewards for you in return, including shoutouts on the show and website, bonus content and episodes, and free merch. Want to be my guest or pick a topic for the show? You can do that too. So if you'd like to learn more and to help support the show, visit patreon.com slash somewhere skies. Thank you and keep looking up. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Spread. for inviting me to share my story. My name is Ashley. I'm 34 years old and I currently live in Ontario, Canada. When this event took place in 1997, I was 11 years old and I lived with my family in Hamilton. Uh, One night I went to the corner store and as I stood at the crosswalk waiting for the light to change, I looked up at the sky. I noticed that the sky was totally black and that there weren't any stars. When I looked all the way up, that's when I saw these lights that immediately registered as being unnatural. There were about five or six of them. They were stationary, a little bit bigger than stars, off in color like a soft orange, and they formed a very large half circle. My best guess would be that I would be able to place my adult hand between each of these lights. Um, I had no idea what it was. All I knew was that the longer I looked at it, the more terrified I felt. So I ran across the street into the store and wandered around until I felt comfortable enough to leave. I couldn't have been more than five minutes. When I left and crossed the street, I made a point of stopping where I saw the lights and looking up, but the lights were gone. My mom doesn't ever recall talking to me about it, and I guess I just forgot about it for a while. I'd always been into ghosts and the paranormal when I was a kid, and any idea I had on UFOs at the time was based off of the odd story in a book that I could take out from the school library or watching the X-Files with my parents. That's until the internet came along, and then I had even more access to information to expand my interests. So one day in 2000-2001, I was bored and started searching for UFO photos. 
and I found this website about the famous Phoenix Light sighting that took place in 1997. And when I got to the photos, I just remember getting chills because those photographs showed the exact same thing that I saw a few years prior and I remember just sitting there thinking about it like what are the odds that at 11 years old with no knowledge that the event in Phoenix took place would I experience the same thing a couple of months later I have no doubts in my mind that I witnessed a UFO that night. I wouldn't know how else to explain it. Hello Ryan, Ron Zlotnick here, a loyal Patreon member and longtime follower of your work, and I'm always inspired by the standout investigative work that you do as a strong voice in our community for the rest of us who have not had the opportunity to become a prominent figure in the UFO UAP community. So thank you very much for the role that you play on all of our behalfs. So I appreciate this honor and privilege to lend my voice for once to tell of my encounters and share with you and the rest of our clan. As an introduction, I'm originally from a little town called Windsor, Ontario, Canada, which is basically like a suburb of Detroit, Michigan, USA. I grew up in this town until I moved to Michigan in my 40s. Now, nothing really big comes out of Windsor, and thus for making it a little difficult to find a lot of UFO reports from there. However, as you well know, UFOs don't really know political boundaries, nor do they care about political boundaries. My first encounter was when I was extremely young, so this first account is less detailed than my second account will be. However, it was no less real to me, and I do have some memories of it. So Windsor, being that small town I mentioned, uh, is overshadowed by Detroit's international airport, so we have a lot less air traffic on our local city's own airport. That being said, one evening when the sun was nearly down, I must have been roughly, I don't know, five or six years old, yeah, a long time ago, <laughs> and I recall a bit of unrest around the neighborhood when a lot of people are on the street looking towards our local airport. You could kind of see the runway in that from there. Uh, and I recall that there was an elongated oval, yellowish metallic object that seemed to be kind of hovering over the runway, around, you know, higher than the air traffic controller tower, but not too much higher, um, probably about the size of a, a couple of 747 jets end to end. So it was definitely something that uh, shouldn't be there, it doesn't belong there. Uh, at this point in my life, you know, there was no internet or MUFON or any easy way to report it. And a lot of the neighbors were pointing and talking about it uh, with some fear and worry. Um, and of course, there was no uh, quick snap smartphones able to take pictures. So we were at a loss for any way of really recording this very well. But, uh, you know, it was just about people calling like local news or someone at the airport trying to get information. Uh, they said, all they said was, uh, we're looking into it, but you could see this thing was hovering in a way it was kind of preventing planes from, like, landing or taking off and that. Um, my parents were, were there as well, so my father had, you know, ushered me into the house before I could really see too much other than what I had saw, and it seemed to have been hovering there for, like, several minutes, probably 10 or 20 minutes. Um, I never really found out the outcome of that, because, like I said, my parents kind of ushered me into the house, and then they went back in. Uh, we haven't really discussed it ever since then, um, but my parents have always been open believers 
and I've always been into like sci-fi and that because I think uh, that definitely sparked something in them as well. But like I said, we don't really talk about it. My second incident is a lot more clear and personal to me, and I fully recount it. Also, I gotta say that after listening to uh, years of your podcasts and various witness encounters and documented stories and videos, you know, there's handfuls of common types of themes of accounts, but I haven't come across one with the same matched unique trait, and I've always searched to see if somebody had seen something similar. So, yeah, I find this one particularly interesting because of that. So when I was about 13 years old, we were living in a different house from my earlier account. Behind my house was a really large field, and it was underdeveloped, even though we were in the city. On the other side of the field, kind of kitty corner, was a 7-Eleven store. And in that day and age, it wasn't uncommon for parents to send their kids to buy them cigarettes. Yeah, I feel old, I know. So my father would regularly send send me on runs to grab him cigarettes, and since, you know, obviously I uh, always had my head in the clouds in the night sky there, I would always be gazing, looking for something somewhere in the skies as uh, I would go along this long walk through the field. And it always felt like a split second with my mind racing. So on this one particular night, when I was more than halfway across the field um, on one of my cigarette missions, I'm looking at a wide field of stars and uh, I notice a seemingly plain star that had not moved previously. And then suddenly it started moving and drifting across the sky in a slow, rhythmic fashion, sort of how you would see like a, a modern day satellite in orbit. That's kind of how it looked. So after a few seconds of that constant motion, it sped up a bit. And then after it seemed to traverse about a quarter of the sky, and then it would stop suddenly again. It was now hovering motionless in place and I completely stopped walking as my gaze was frozen on this little star dot. I noticed uh, there was no noticeable sounds or anything like that, you know, a kind of common theme. Um, I didn't feel anything strange, it was just, it just seemed like a star that wasn't moving, then it was moving, and then it wasn't moving again, which is very peculiar. So then, staring at it, after about oh, 10, 15 seconds of nothing happening, I'm still locked in on it, but then I saw the strangest thing. I saw what appeared to be a beam of faint white light slowly kind of growing out of the star, um, looking, well, the star looking dot, and that light kind of reminded me of how like a, a lightsaber <laughs> turns on, so it just kind of grew, you know, coming out of that dot, and when it was about, I'll say, an inch long from my perspective on the ground uh, against the length of the sky, the entire beam then started to spin around the central dot. And as it spun, the colors oscillated through all the various colors of the rainbow, but like in no particular order of color, it seemed to be just kind of random as it spun around and around and around. So it, it spun around this dot about oh, a dozen-ish times or so, and then it abruptly stopped again, and then slowly retracted back into the center of the dot like somebody turned off the lightsaber. So at this point, I'm just completely in shock and awe and frozen in place. Uh, you know, about five, ten more seconds pass with nothing happening. And that same familiar ending to most sightings happened. And that dot just shot off across the sky at like warp 20 and it was gone. That was the end of it. I was completely frozen in place for like a couple of minutes after that, just scanning the sky and feeling a little bit shaken with a mix of uh, feelings of both fear and amazement. 
And then I finally came to my senses. Once my head came back to ground level, and with the cigarette money in my hand still, I just turned around and beelined it back home, came crashing through the door and threw the money at my father as I ran past him screaming, get your own damn cigarettes, and ran into my room and slammed the door. My father was obviously pretty taken by surprise by that, you know, a little uh, WTF moment that was definitely not my normal behavior, especially for a 13-year-old. So you can imagine he wanted to know what the hell was going on, and I told him. He kind of listened and, and didn't make too much out of it, but I know in his heart he, he knows it was something. Looking back, um, you know, it's it, it seems funny now, but at the time I was pretty shaken by it. And it definitely solidified my curiosity and interest for a very long time um, until I find those answers. But needless to say, I didn't go get cigarettes for him for a long time after that night. Based on my life's experiences and the curiosities that were sparked inside me by everything I've seen and experienced and read up on, um, my feelings are, are, are pretty solid in the matter. Um, very similar to your own from listening to your account and, and knowing your own views, Ryan, from many podcasts that you've shared. Uh, you know, as as we all well know, there are, you know, billions and billions of stars out there. And, and it's mathematically impossible that we're the only ones. You know, I want to keep religion out of this. But, you know, if, if religion suggests that, you know, the God created the universe, the heavens and the earth, and that it should be all there to kind of service us. But I got to admit, I'm I'm not a strong believer in that philosophy. I'm very much into astrophysics and understanding the uh, metaphysical nature of the universe and the cosmos. And whether or not I feel that we're being visited by aliens in spacecrafts versus our UFOs or UAPs, as they're called now, simply um, higher technology from foreign adversaries, which I genuinely believe is not the case, um, that any current Earth-based adversary would have that kind of level of technology far ahead of us. But, you know, this is overlapping that uh, all the things that have happened in the last month or so about the UAP task force report, which we won't go, go into. Um, could it be, you know, interdimensional? Could it be time travelers, you know, us visiting ourselves uh, from the future, looking back? Anything is possible. I'm not going to sit there and put that hat on and say, yep, UFOs are aliens. But I'm certainly not going to discount it either. Is there a current Earth-based technology um, concept that's proven that shows faster-than-light travel, which would be required to traverse the distances even to our closest neighbor star at like four light years away? Um, not currently. There's certainly philosophical uh, concepts, astrophysical ideas and constructs, but I do believe that considering the universe is created and expanded out, that there could definitely be civilizations that were developed, you know, millennia ahead of us um, that may have had a heck of a lot longer to develop technology that could possibly have allowed them to unlock a way to um, travel this far. But on the other hand, if not, then it's also feasibly impossible to suggest that people from another world could have reached us uh, in their lifetimes unless it was, you know, drone automated uh, probes like we've got the Voyager probe sent out, you know, a millennia ago by the time it reached us uh, with a civilization that's long gone. 
regardless, those are my feelings on the topic, and that's where I stand on everything. Thanks for giving me this opportunity, and uh, thank you very much, Ryan. Keep fighting the good fight on our, all of our behalfs. Hey, Ryan, I appreciate the opportunity to um, kind of tell what I saw, man. Um, in 2018 BC, before COVID, I was um, out with my family on Halloween night. And we've got a, you know, fairly good sized neighborhood. There's a lot of families, a lot of kids. There's probably a hundred people walking around, you know, in the neighborhood. And as we're approaching, one of the houses my son's running to the front door to go get some candy and all that good stuff and I noticed you know two gentlemen standing off to the side and they're looking up in the sky kind of looking around a tree looking over the roof of the house like they're just looking at something and I can hear one of them say you know oh it's you know look at that and da 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 so super curious want to know what's happening I walk up you know what, what are y'all seeing the guy says man you know I think there's a UFO in the sky and I'm like where immediately and he kind of points to the western sky and he says you know if you can look straight ahead you see that bright bright star and I look up I see the star he goes look to the left of it so I look to the left of the star and there's a white glowing object in the sky um, hovering and then like right after that it just starts to move through the sky from this west to north and it didn't make a sound it solid white um, kind of stopped and then started back up moving from like a dead stop to, to start um, we watched it for a minute maybe a full minute um it was like it was unlike anything I've ever seen I, we live in a military town in Florida we see planes we see helicopters um, you know I've seen the Starlink satellites I've seen the ISS it wasn't any of these things um, <laughs> the most amazing part of it is when it was all over and as it was sinking in I realized that I didn't reach for my phone I, I I couldn't even think that fast enough. And so I get that now. I get why we don't see these pictures of things. Because as soon as you see it, you're, you're so focused on trying to figure out what it is, process it, you don't even think about capturing it. And so that was the biggest takeaway, I think, for me. As amazing as it was to see the object and, and, and as cool as it was to see it, the thing that stuck with me is the fact that I, I, didn't, I couldn't get it documented because my brain just did not work that way um so i get that now and I, that really helped me because you know now when i hear things and i hear criticism and i hear skeptics and you know the question is well why don't we see pictures and videos well that's why folks it, it's just not it doesn't work like that you know it just does not work like that um that's it man it, it was one of the coolest things i've ever seen i i truly hope i get to see another one and uh that's it, man. I appreciate the time, and uh, thanks for everything you do. Hi, my name's Randy. I'm 45 years old. I live in the San Francisco Bay Area, but the event I'm going to tell you about took place 
almost 26 years ago when I still lived in my hometown of Palm Springs, California. I first recounted this event to Ryan back in 2018, uh, but I figured it was finally time to get it on the record. So for some setup here, it was Halloween night 1995. It was technically the early morning of November 1st. I'd driven to LA for a concert on Halloween with three of my friends and we were headed home. It was close to 3 a.m. and we were about 20 miles outside of Palm Springs heading east on Interstate 10. We were in Cabazon, that's the location of the world-famous life-size dinosaurs that you'll see now and again on uh, movies and on TV. That was the point when I first noticed the light in the sky ahead of us. We were still miles away from it, but I could see this light. It was directly ahead of us. It was a bit below the top of the windshield, so it was in my line of sight. So it first caught my attention about this light was the brightness. It was directly ahead of us. It looked like stadium lights or a large airliner coming into land. And now there's no stadium in that part of the desert outside of Palm Springs. There wasn't at that time and there isn't now. There were no large light poles with lights on top of them this tall. There was also no major airport. Palm Springs Airport, that was to the southeast of where this was. There was a small municipal landing strip that was due west of this location, but an airplane of this size, at least from what I could tell, would not be able to land at this airfield. So basically, there was this large light in the sky. It wasn't just the brightness of this light, it was the quality of the light and the fact that it was changing that really held my interest. Now, when I say the quality of the light, it was very bright, but it was also cold looking. It was this cold bluish white and in addition to this, it was cycling between what I say are low beams and high beams. So basically dimming and intensifying at a consistent pace. Dim, bright, dim, bright. It would stay dim for maybe a five count, get bright for maybe another five seconds, and so on. When the light was at its brightest, it almost looked like three horizontal diamonds in the sky. They bled out horizontally, almost like lens flare in the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies. I didn't wear glasses at the time, but I could still see this very intensely bright light. The other thing that caught my attention was the fact that this light didn't seem to be moving towards us or away from us or moving at all, in fact. We were moving towards it, so we were getting closer, but it was just staying in the same place. So... After taking this in for 30 seconds or a minute or so, I pointed it out to my best friend, Paul, uh, who was in the passenger seat and was awake. My our other two friends were in the back seat, passed out. Again, it was 3 a.m. and we'd just been uh, to a concert that night. So talking with Paul, he and I thought for a moment that this could be maybe the light on the summit station of the Palm Springs Aerial Tramway, uh, which is at the top of Mount San Jacinto. But that's not actually visible from the eastern side of the mountain range, which is where we were. So we kept our eye on this thing. We weren't really talking about it that much, just sort of, let's keep an eye on this thing. We kept driving as normal. We were maybe driving a little bit under the speed limit because we were just focusing on this strange, motionless light in the sky ahead of us that we were, you know, fairly quickly approaching. So as we got closer and closer, maybe just a couple of minutes away from the light, which was getting larger because it was staying in the same place, but we were getting closer to it, we slowed even more because we needed to take the turn off for Highway 111 that takes you into Palm Springs. So at this point, we were about 10 miles down the highway, 10 miles east on the highway from where we first spotted the light and rapidly approaching it. 
this point, myself, uh, my friend Paul, we were, we were both experiencing and communicating to each other this legitimate sense of disbelief, and I would say awe and shock. But I, I'd have to say, you know, I didn't feel any fear. I wasn't anxious. I was just completely wrapped in attention towards this object, whatever it was, because it was so unusual to see something this bright with this quality of light and just sitting there in the sky. If anything, I was beside myself at this point, just trying to kind of process what I was seeing. So we were looking at something that was emitting this strange otherworldly light. And not only that, but it was stuck just a couple hundred feet in the air above a rest stop on the side of the freeway. It's actually called the Whitewater Rest Stop. There's one on each side of the freeway. It was on the southern side of the freeway. And so when I say stuck, I mean, it's like whatever this was, was sitting on a shelf in the sky or on a pole. So like I said, it could kind of be described as looking like an intensely bright stadium light from like a NFL stadium. It wasn't moving an inch. And that was something you could tell from the direction of the lights as they dimmed and brightened. They were they, tend, they looked like they were facing in the same direction the entire time. Now, at this point, I should say that we weren't alone on the freeway. I recall that we were moving slower than the rest of the traffic because we were actually looking at this thing. There were a handful of other cars on the road. It was 3 a.m. again on, on Halloween night. But there definitely was, was other traffic. It didn't really seem that anyone else was slowing down or noticing this light. But someone must have seen what we saw. But if they did, they they weren't reacting to it. So as we approach the turnoff to Highway 111, there's a ramp that leads up and over a flood basin uh, before heading southeast and then east out to Palm Springs. So because of this ramp, we were able to climb about 20 feet up towards the object and got an unobstructed view of it there sitting in the sky. And so it was hovering, sitting, whatever you want to say, in the sky above this rest stop location. Again, about a couple hundred feet up in the air looking you know kind of straight up and at an angle towards it i'd practically taken my foot off the gas at this point we were just coasting at the top of this off ramp looking to the left at this object so it's at this point that the object began to move towards us it moved at an angle down towards the southwest towards us it moved over the highway over our car we'd rolled down our windows there was absolutely no sound outside, except maybe a little bit of wind. I craned my head out the driver's side window and looked up at the object. My friend Paul was doing the same on the passenger side. What I saw a couple hundred feet above us now were three pale lights of the same cold quality that I'd seen from a distance, but they were arranged in an equilateral triangle, and they were silently drifting across the highway above our car that was coasting. So I could tell that these lights were at the points of an actual object, a physical object, because I could make out the object's triangular shape against the starlit sky. So it was a crystal clear night. The skies of the desert are filled with stars and there was some moonlight. I was mostly able to make out the shape because the object was covering the stars as it crept over us, but also because its surface was so much darker than the night sky around it. I can only describe the quality of the surface by comparing it to something like Vanta Black, which is the darkest black that we've been able to create. It essentially reflected no visible light to the point that the lights on the object weren't revealing any details of its surface. If you've seen an airplane flying at night with its landing lights on, you know what it looks like when the light reflects off the fuselage, reflects off the wings. It very clearly illuminates the aircraft. In this case, it didn't. And so there were no visible seams or bolts or markings, things that you should have been able to see at such a close distance. This thing was just a void in the sky perhaps guessing here 50 to 80 feet on each side with these cold blue lights at each corner. 
So the object passed over us to the southwest. My friend Paul lost sight of it. He told me it looked like it blinked out. It was just gone. It was around this point that our two friends in the backseat were finally waking up due to all the shouting and, and sound that my friend Paul and I were making. So they hadn't actually seen anything. I kept driving and I dropped my friends off, then headed home. Along the way, Paul and I recounted in detail what had just taken place to our friends who'd been sleeping. They were basically both incredulous about everything. They thought maybe it was a plane or a helicopter, despite the fact that it was so early in the morning, the low altitude, the location, it just didn't make sense to us. So when I finally got home around 4 a.m., I woke up my parents to tell them what I'd seen, and they seemed somewhat interested, but not that concerned. I chalked up their lack of excitement to the fact that their son had just woken them up at 4 a.m. to tell them he'd seen a UFO. But my dad was into the subject. We used to watch the X-Files together. My mom had seen some strange things from many a night spent sitting on a patio out in the desert. So I went to bed still thinking about what we'd seen. I remember my overriding thought at the time was that if we'd seen a quote-unquote real UFO, that what else could be real? What else out there that we'd been told didn't exist or couldn't exist could actually exist? And that's a thought that's been with me ever since. I've been interested in UFOs since a really young age. I've always loved science fiction, always fascinated by tales of UFOs from shows like In Search Of. One of the defining moments of my childhood was the release of Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which absolutely captivated me. But to say that this event has stuck with me would be a massive understatement. I think about it practically every day, and it's driven me to study the subject, although I wouldn't say that it's to a level of a dedicated researcher yet. Nevertheless, I'd classify this as a true life-changing event. My friend Paul and I discuss it regularly, and we've traded theories over the years. Neither of us is convinced that it was truly otherworldly, but we do believe that it wasn't technology that existed in the civilian world in 1995 or at any point since. There was zero movement when it sat in the sky for 15 to 20 minutes, as we observed it before passing under it, or it passing over us. It didn't make any sound, it didn't have any downwash like a helicopter. If it had been some sort of lighter-than-aircraft, some sort of military dirigible like we've seen in subsequent years, it surely would have drifted some. But it was just completely fixed in the sky. We've also talked about the fact that if this were some true anti-gravitic technology, that you'd probably need to draw upon a lot of energy to make it work. So nuclear, or maybe something even more exotic, that could pose a danger to the nearby city or the motorists below. It's basically civilians. That's just something we're not sure humans are really capable of, given the dangers of fission reactors and events like Chernobyl. So to this day, I remain certain that what we saw was no traditional aircraft that's ever been in the public eye, from its flight characteristics to the quality of its lighting to the surface material I described. I've spent nearly 26 years since that night searching the skies, hoping for another chance to see what I saw again or something like it. I reported my sighting to the National UFO Reporting Center a few years after the event, partly to ensure that I didn't forget any details. Unfortunately, I seem to have been the only person who experienced this event and reported it at least. If anyone's had a similar experience, I encourage you to share your story with Ryan and the world. If you'd like to get in touch with me because you've had a similar experience or maybe were even there that night and saw the same thing that I did, I'd love to hear from you and Ryan has my details. Thanks so much for the opportunity to finally share my story with others, Ryan, and for creating this amazing platform where others can do the same. Keep watching the skies. Hey guys, Ryan Spreck here. When I'm not making podcasts, I am listening to them. Seriously, I'm obsessed. And if there's one person and one show I turn to every week, 
to hear stories of the strange, the weird, and the unexplained, it's of course gotta be Jim Harold's Campfire. With over 500 episodes, Den of Geek called Jim Harold's Campfire the best tool we have currently in existence to hear real-life scary stories from other human beings since the actual campfire was invented. The concept is pretty simple. Jim talks to other regular folks and strange stuff that's happened to them. And yes, that includes UFOs and UAPs, along with cryptids, ghosts, and true head-scratching mysteries. One of my all-time favorite stories is one where a woman almost ended up being absorbed by a painting in a mysterious bar that seemed like something straight out of the Twilight Zone. Or there's the story of a young man who encountered a spider-like creature with baby hands. Then there's the story of a woman in England who encountered what she thought was a banshee, only to suffer a horrible tragedy only moments later. Now, not all of the stories in Jim Harold's campfire are horrifying. Some are actually pretty heartwarming, like a visit from a past loved one, or a peaceful near-death experience. Regardless, there are true and fascinating stories told by ordinary people who've had extraordinary experiences. So, pull up a virtual log, get cozy, and tune in to Jim Harold's campfire. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to Somewhere in the Skies. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Okay, this is Ronnie LeBlanc from Expedition Bigfoot and Paranormal Caught on Camera. Uh, some of you may know I've had a lot of uh, UFO experiences since I was a kid, and uh, my wife has as well. <clears throat> and so last night, uh, this is the morning after, last night, June 5th, 9.45-ish, we were uh, in our garage and we were talking and I'll mention something in a moment, but we walked out 
and we're walking to the house and I looked up above the roof of the house and there I saw, it was unmistakable, uh, two UFOs, unidentified flying objects. One was red, one was green and not like a, a flying saucer, but almost like an orb that was kind of shape shifting and changing. But these things were chasing each other in the sky uh, up and down, almost like dolphins in the water. And I just got this thought of like Thunderbirds or almost a biological creature more than a craft seeing this. So my wife is seeing this. She's trying to get her a phone. And I didn't want to film this at all. I was just experiencing this. Um, <clears throat> they moved across and passed some trees so that we couldn't really see them. But they were low enough and made no sound uh, low enough that you could see them and know that this was not a drone. <clears throat> this was not a plane. This was straight up UFOs. So what often happens in my experience is a couple of things. I started feeling euphoric, like uh, just super excited watching this because I knew this was something extraordinary. But also when I have these sightings, typically there seems to be almost like this, uh, you know, I live really close to Lemister State Forest and Monsterland, which my books are based on. Uh, with all this strange activity but when we have a ufo sighting like this typically there's another one or several others that come in after this one in the same trajectory so i started to talk to my wife like let's look where this came from it came from um east to west in my estimation and uh sure enough another one came and this one was like this bluish kind of green it did the same thing. It wasn't like up and down, like kind of changing direction like this, this last two, but it moved in the same way, silent. <clears throat> it was spinning and you can hear me at the beginning of the video. That was me talking about that, that second UFO coming in. It was spinning and like almost changing shape. Uh, it was, in, and again, it went the same way where it went <clears throat> beyond some trees and I couldn't get it unless I went deeper in the backyard. And you can see we have some different um, lights out uh, in the front of the driveway. It creates some light pollution, but you could still see this. So then my wife finally gets her camera up and we're looking in the path, waiting for another one to come. And I, I could feel like it was coming, uh, which sounds crazy. But anyways, here it comes and you can see it moving. And this one moved very differently just like the other ones but differently than any type of plane or anything and you could see planes flying by we could see those it was very uh distinctive what a plane was what a drone is i know that stuff so seeing this and it flew right over our heads and the video really doesn't give it any justice um i, I just it was green um okay <clears throat> so the crazy thing is a minute or so before these sightings had occurred, as we're sitting in our garage, my wife was touched three times on her leg, like a ghost, like she felt like something was in the garage with us. And I just kind of chuckled and laughed and we're sitting close to each other. Uh, I just kind of laughed about it, but this happened three times. And isn't it significant that we saw four UFOs 
three separate times, one after another. At this same time, we were, you know, blown away. One of the most amazing things, if not the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. And that video does not give it friggin' justice. But <clears throat> after this had occurred and we're outside and we're just like blown away, my head's spinning. The energy was off the charts and in, in what I was feeling. It was so exciting. I wasn't afraid. It was exciting. Uh, my son, who's 10 years old, was in the house um, and he said he felt a presence behind him. As we were kind of like talking and stuff, he could hear us from outside as the UFO setting was happening. So I find that extremely significant. And I also find it funny that my wife went grocery shopping and picked up a deck of cards. And uh, as I was grabbing the the, uh, the trash, <laughs> uh, one of these, this deck of cards came out and it was called Stargazer on it. And it just kind of funny. I always look at signs and synchronicities. And this was one of those things. And here we are, we have the UFO report that just came out. Uh, the government saying, <clears throat> these are not our technology. That's confirmed. Great step forward. But again, they're not going to say that these things are alien. And I can tell you right now, what I saw uh, was not human. It was not a physical uh, craft in a way. Like if it was, we were seeing portions of it. Like <clears throat> it just seemed to shape shift and change and seemed to be more biological than, than a physical craft. Uh, and I'm sure it was a craft of some, uh, the way it moved was just inc incredible. There's no way a plane could sustain these movements. Like I said, it looked like, <clears throat> and I describe it in the video, it moves like a bird. It seemed to kind of like float and flutter and kind of change direction and move very, uh, just animalistic. But I did file a, uh, MUFON report last night within 20 minutes of this as it was fresh. But there's these other details that I know will get leaved out of the report, but they lead into the UFO sighting, having this paranormal experience. Oh, and by the way, um, I <clears throat> am getting back into meditating and I'm focusing on remote viewing. So earlier in the day, I did have a literally short five minute meditation session trying to bring them in. And I've done this before a couple years ago at Cape Cod and had orange orbs come in, but I've never had craft like this. So now I am just um, super intrigued. I did not want to go to sleep and I'm now I'm like on fire. <laughs> but yeah, uh, there's definitely a spiritual, a paranormal, yeah, there's a spiritual and a paranormal kind of connection to all of this because of what happened prior, the feeling of a presence, um, not only for my wife, but my son. <clears throat> as uh, before this happened. And weirdly enough, the third UFO that came through that looked very similar to the fourth one, kind of different coloring, I got the feeling it was the same one kind of coming in again to, to show us. And my wife had that same feeling. Interesting stuff. But uh, there was a report that someone saw something a couple weeks ago in the same vicinity. And this was right in front of the Big Dipper, and that's where they said they had their sighting as well. So I find that very, very interesting. Thanks, Ryan. Hey, Ryan. Uh, my name's Jazz. You and I already know each other 
for your latest installment of witness testimony. I decided to talk about something that happened very recently. Um, I went personally, I've always been interested in the whole UAP topic. I've been writing about it for years, but it's always been sort of hypothetical, a topic of great interest. And that started to change last year. In November of last year, uh, my wife and I had two sightings that were not really very conclusive. Uh, it happened in a period of one week. Um, we saw a couple of things and filmed them and put them up on YouTube. Not really conclusive. One of them was sort of a orb of different changing colors. Happened over a ridge to the uh, east of our house. Uh, the second one my wife filmed that was more interesting. It looked kind of like a really big triangle uh, in the dark with some weird lights on it. But again, nothing too conclusive. That really changed this year. I had two sightings personally that really shook up my entire view of the whole subject. Uh, in June of 2021, um, third week of June, I was out on the back deck of my house, middle of the day, beautiful day, blue sky, a few fluffy clouds, and I was watching two planes from a local airport going overhead, which happens every day because we're not too far from a regional airport, uh, going east to west. But underneath them, well below them, uh, and below cloud level, I suddenly saw something else. It was a white oblong shape that everybody who follows the subject already knows. I, I immediately, well, within a couple of seconds, I thought, holy cow, that's a tic-tac. Because it had no wings, nothing else. It was just silently gliding along. And... I immediately reached for my pocket to grab my phone to get a video, thereupon realizing that my phone, which had been at like 15% or something, was in my den recharging. I went crashing through the house, screaming for my wife to grab her phone and run out front to catch it on the other side as it went by. And she did, later telling me she was worried that I was, she was afraid the house was on fire or something. Um, we got out front, and she said that she momentarily saw, might have seen something white in the sky, but didn't catch anything else. I got 19 minutes of beautiful footage of a blue sky with nothing in it. It had disappeared. But before I crashed through the house, I mean, it was there. It was very clear. It was obviously just this capsule-shaped thing that was going across the sky that disappeared that had a big impact on us because it sort of sent me on this negative spiral of being out there all the time watching and wanting her to be out there when she was home you know and nothing else happened until the past week and at the time of this recording we're talking about um, the beginning of August of 2021 and I was once again out on my back deck, and the exact same thing showed up in the sky. There were no planes at the time, 
but it was again this oblong shape that was traveling from west to east uh, a little ways to the north of my house you know pretty much right above us and this time I had my phone and I pulled it out and I got it, it took a probably five six seconds to register and then get the phone out and start recording but I did manage to get three to four seconds recorded that a videographer took for me and got the source code from my phone and it was once again it was this object that looked like a tic-tac and it had been moving but by the time I got the phone out and the videographer confirmed this it had just stopped and it was just hanging there in the sky and I managed to film it for like I said three to four seconds and while I still had the phone pointed at it and recording it it disappeared it didn't fly away it looked to me it doesn't really show up on what there is in the video but visually it looked like it had started to elongate a bit like it became a bit longer I, I don't know that's just my memory and then it just in less than a second it just faded out it vanished so that was twice I saw these objects sailing across the sky that have no explanation for me and prior to this I was always interested as I said in the topic and it's like people see all these wild things and it's really crazy and it's fun to talk about and but it it was a significant moment it has really changed things in our house and in our life because it goes from a hypothetical discussion to the point where now it's like what was that nothing should be able to do that it it seemed impossible and it it really has changed my outlook on this so since you like doing these shows and people sharing their experiences this was a in a significant way I will say a somewhat life-changing experience because I'm no longer looking at it as well what are these people talking about and it's like oh I get it I say okay and now it's real doesn't mean I know what the answers are I <laughs> I don't know what it was where it came from but that was something that definitely shouldn't have been there. It shouldn't have been doing what it was doing. And it's really opened my eyes in a number of ways. Thanks for doing what you do, man. Hi, Ryan. Thanks for allowing us to share our stories with you. I've personally experienced two separate sightings of the same red orb in my childhood, once when I was very young and once again as a teenager. Both instances occurred on the same property in rural Minnesota. My first experience was when I was about five or six years old. It was maybe nine or ten o'clock at night, and my mother and baby sister were sleeping in my parents' room, but I was still awake to wait up for my father to come home from work. It was either late spring or summer, and I was watching out the window for my father's vehicle to come up the county road that leads to our driveway. The lights were off because I didn't want to wake up my mother, so I was standing in a completely dark room looking out over a completely dark landscape. I remember not being afraid been immediately curious about this large red orb that appeared to ascend out of a distant field. This window faces roughly northeast, and the area is so rural that there are no city lights whatsoever, just farmers' fields and woods. 
We have the most beautiful clear skies in rural Minnesota and an immensely gorgeous view of the Milky Way at the right night at the right time of year. I usually stayed up as late as I could for my father to come home, so this wasn't a strange thing to wait by the window where I could see the road. But I had never witnessed a red orb before. It didn't have a definitive shape besides vaguely round, but it definitely didn't come up over the horizon. This red light really did seem large and bright and ascending out of a farmer's field at minimum a few miles away. It moved relatively quickly too and steady as it went up into the sky. It may have only taken a minute or two to completely disappear at the steady pace it was traveling. Again, I wasn't afraid, but I do recall how vivid the experience was watching this large red light while standing at the window. One specific thing about this encounter that I remember telling to my father when he arrived home a short time later was that I thought it could have been an air balloon, because it seemed to glow with you know from within. It didn't vary course, it didn't change speeds or colors rapidly, didn't change speed or colors at all, it just seemed to drift up, completely straight into the sky until it disappeared entirely. I waited for that orb for a very long time after that, but I didn't see it again until I was a teenager in the early 2000s. My sister and I didn't want to keep sharing a bedroom, but my room downstairs in the basement wasn't finished yet, so I slept on the couch the majority of one summer. And I really liked it, actually, because I could look out of a large picture window facing east while I was resting on the couch. Again, no city lights, just farmers' fields and strips of woods, with one county road to which our driveway was attached. No light, absolutely no light whatsoever, besides starlight. And this particular night, I was almost asleep. Still looking out the window, though, when I saw a large red orb again begin to ascend out of a tree line just a few miles away from the house. This time, I was really spooked. Over the years, since I saw that first red orb, my father and I would talk about it sometimes and wonder what that could have been. The rest of the house was asleep, but I bolted off the couch and went to wake up my father, who wasn't thrilled about being woken up, but I knew I sounded panicked enough that he did come into the living room to take a look out the window. I remember being worried that he wouldn't come fast enough to see the light before it disappeared. In the time it took between when I first saw it coming out of the tree line to when I got back to the window, after waking up my father, it had ascended quite high already. We watched together for the minute or so that it continued to ascend before it completely disappeared. And we watched it in silence, and it was a really special moment in a way to see this with my father. The sighting became kind of a family joke, though, in a good way, because his reaction after the orb finally disappeared in our moment of shared silence was, I don't know what that was. Go to sleep. <laughs> so we all laugh about it to this day, that here I had this kind of shocking encounter with the red orb again years after my first sighting, and my father's reaction was, go to sleep, after an I don't know what that was. My father knows pretty much everything about the property I grew up on, because he grew up on the same land. He knows the woods and the fields better than anyone else in this area, and he could probably find his way home in the dark from miles away. He's seen it all, and here was a thing he didn't know how to explain. I didn't bother him the way it bothered me, though. He went back to bed, and I went back to the couch, and I know I did not sleep the rest of the night. And to the day I moved out and moved away, I watched for that red orb. I still check up on the reports from that region once in a while, and red orbs and black triangles are pretty apparently pretty common sightings out there. The second encounter felt very different from my first, even though the red orb was practically identical in both situations. I think I saw the red orb with a true sense of childlike wonder the first time, that here was this strange thing that had never happened before and didn't happen again until years later. The second sighting of the red orb 
was frightening. I was legitimately afraid of it, because I think I had spent years wondering if it would come back, and then there it was, unexpectedly. Because of living in the country and loving stargazing, I had read plenty of books in the library about stars and planets and knew how certain things moved in the sky. If you watch the sky every night, you know how fast or slow normal things are and what to expect throughout the seasons. This was definitely unlike any star or planet I was used to watching, and I looked out at that sky nearly every night of my childhood. I don't think it helped that I had been rereading and rereading and rereading the same book about UFOs as a kid, years after my first sighting, but well before my second, and my father had asked me, what if they're not here to do good things, these things and the UFOs? People don't always have good experiences with them. And I think that shifted my perspective, that then influenced my reaction when I did finally see that red orb again as a teenager. My grandfather, well before I was born, allegedly saw a strange object emerge from a field relatively close by. He was looking out over the woods after coming back from the fields in the early evening and saw something he couldn't explain. Once my father pointed out the part of the property my grandfather thought this thing emerged from, I couldn't walk by it or drive by it without thinking about it. My father himself has shared some strange sightings he's had in his life on this property. He said he didn't tell me when I was a child because he didn't want to scare me. They're not my stories to tell, but at least I'm assured I'm not the only member of my family to see things we couldn't explain. Thank you for the opportunity to share my stories, and thank you for the wonderful podcast we all enjoy. My name is Abe Alley. I've told this story a few times in my life, and there, this is the, the craziest thing that's ever happened to me, so I want to share it with everybody and everything else in between. So back in 1992, I was going to be 10 years old in December. So I was 9 years old at the time, and it was a crisp fall evening. I'm not sure if it was like an August or a September night, but my dad used to like taking me and my brother for joy rides in the evening. And when I say the evening, I'm talking about 9.30, 10.30 p.m. And he always liked to, you know, just talk to us and, you know, because it was just me and my brother and... Uh, you know, I guess that was a good way of kind of spending time with dad. But this one evening, my brother was sitting in the front seat with my dad, and I was sitting in the back seat of the car. And we took a ride down to Cape Split. Uh, I'm from the great state of Maine, and Cape Split is right on the coast, Atlantic Ocean of Maine. And this is where we were. I grew up in a lobster fishing community. So we were taking a ride and we were parked right on the shoreline. There was a turnout in Cape Split. So we were sitting there in the car and I remember the radio turning static and my father was looking out over the ocean and there were three islands, wide open ocean, bright night, no clouds, and my dad was telling us to look over to the left because there were these two bright lights coming up over the center island. There were three islands. These two bright lights were coming up over the islands and the islands were about a mile away from us. And I still have the image in my head. My father had the window rolled down all the way. There was no sound. 
just obviously the waves crashing onto the rocks and on the sand beach. A typical Atlantic Ocean sound. And I remember my brother starting to go crazy in the front seat because I don't know if he was scared. I don't know what was going on. But he started like kicking and screaming and punching the window and all kinds of stuff. My dad was telling him, calm down, calm down, you know, calm down. Relax, 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 calm down, BJ, BJ, that's his name. That's my brother's name, BJ, Bernard Jr. And the radio was static. It wasn't static before this. But when I looked and saw these two bright lights hovering over this island, the radio went static. So I was intrigued, nine years old. What, what was I looking at? What were we seeing? Like I said, there wasn't any sound. We sat there and watched these things for probably 10 to 15 minutes, if, you know, as much as I can recall. This was back in 1992, so <laughs> uh, almost 30 years ago. And I was looking, and it was like an amber, two amber lights, and they were bright. But then they started going up the, the river, the Addison River, Pleasant River, I guess you could call it. And so we decided to follow these things. I remember looking down at the speedometer and we were going like 75 miles an hour. And my dad couldn't catch up with these things. So we were going pretty fast and these things were moving pretty good. And I remember seeing these bright lights through the trees when we were on the Basin Road. I remember looking out and kind of seeing the lights through the trees every once in a while. And then we came up, up to the Addison Bridge, which was about four miles away from Cape Split, maybe five. And we came up to the Addison Bridge and parked there. I remember my father opened the door and we were looking to our left because we knew these things were coming up the river. So we were kind of waiting for them to see if we could see anything else. I remember sitting in the back seat, just looking down at the river. A couple minutes passed by, these lights were coming at us. At this time, they were about a half a mile away from us. I have photos and I have documentation of this incident, which I'll tell you about after I tell you my story. There's another spin to this story that you guys are going to be very, very intrigued about. And I can't believe it, actually. What are the odds of this? <laughs> so let me finish my story first, and then I'll get into that. Here come these two lights coming towards us about a half a mile away. They're about 250 feet off of the ground. So that's not very high. They were very low, and there was no sound. Zero sound whatsoever. We were looking and all of a sudden they got within i would say maybe an eighth of a mile to us and all i remember was boom they were gone within a split second and i remember seeing i'm getting goosebumps right now i'm seriously getting chills these things disappeared within a second they were absolutely gone i heard a sonic boom they broke the sound barrier both of them were absolutely gone 
disappeared, gone. And I remember looking up, you could see like a streak, a streak of light go up when they disappeared up into the stars. And I remember looking up at the stars and I couldn't tell which star was there and which one wasn't. These things were gone in a matter of a millisecond. It was over. It was unbelievable. In my experience, I think about it all the time. I don't know if anybody else has experienced the same thing that I've experienced, but that's pretty extraordinary. It's crazy. Now I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna ask you something. Were those human? Were those alien? Was that something our government has created? I don't know. All I know is what I saw and what I heard. That's all I can tell you. And I was nine years old and I remember it just like it was yesterday. I remember talking to my dad and my brother about this incident. My brother is still alive. We talk about it every once in a while. He remembers it very vividly like I do. My dad since has passed. He passed away in 2007. But when I became an adult, I never really asked him about that night. I wish I would have. The other part that I wanted to tell you about is that I'm a wedding DJ. And I was doing a wedding back in 2012. And I had just posted a YouTube video of my experience. I since now have deleted it. I kind of wish I didn't. But I just posted my experience on YouTube. It was uh, like a 10 minute video. And I was going with the flow at this wedding reception, doing all the announcements, entertaining the people with everything that we were supposed to be doing. And I had a gentleman come up to me. And what are the odds of this? I had a gentleman come up to me with his iPad in his hand and look at me and say, is this you? and he had my YouTube video on his iPad. He was sitting at one of the tables with his iPad showing like eight people at his table, showing them my video and me talking about my experience down in Addison, Maine in Cape Split. Later on, after talking with him, the gentleman had a home down in Cape Split in 1992, right next to where my car, well, our car was parked the night we saw these lights come up over that island. And he took pictures of these lights. And he has now sent those pictures to me. And I'm so unbelievably grateful that I could have all of this stuff and have this proof because it's 100% true. What are the odds of somebody capturing those pictures the same night me, my dad, and my brother were sitting there in a car watching these things? This gentleman talked to me for over three hours on the phone one day because he couldn't believe that other people had seen what he had been seeing that night. He sent me the pictures, and wow, I can't explain to you how they make me feel. They bring me back to the night we were there. 
Ladies and gentlemen, that is my story. A UFO sighting. And the experience I had back in 1992 when I was nine years old. I'm very grateful and very happy to share it with you guys. And I want to thank you guys for sitting here and listening to my story. Somewhere in the Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.